Former President Donald Trump has found himself in all sorts of trouble since his return to civilian life. It's, it's like he's on Rumspringa. He's been criminally indicted in New York for falsifying business records in order to make hush money payments. He's been criminally indicted by the U.S. Department of Justice for mishandling classified documents that he wrongfully took home with him after leaving office and refused to give back. And there's currently a third indictment reportedly in the works regarding Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election that he lost. That's a lot of indictments. I did everything right and they indicted me. I did everything right and they indicted me. But... Nevertheless, Trump remains more popular than all nine of his Republican primary opponents combined, according to the latest polling. Wow. Um, cool. Way to go, America. But Trump is a guy who has apparently never met a scandal that he didn't love. And this week, we were introduced to yet another Trump scandal, one that was perfectly unexpected and totally out of left field. When we stumbled across this headline from the Israeli newspaper Haaretz, Israeli antiquities are stranded at Trump's Florida estate as authorities fail to retrieve them. Hmm. Okay. I'm interested. Very intriguing. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a new one. Yeah. Being unable to read beyond that headline due to a paywall, uh, it just added more fuel to the fire. I, I'm left to fill in the blanks myself. Is Mar-a-Lago basically the warehouse at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where ancient artifacts like the Ark of the Covenant are being handled by top men alongside various highly classified government documents? Which antiquities are in the bathroom? I need to know. <laughs> of course, we've seen how those documents were actually stored in the bathroom, so it's a lot more plausible to picture the Ark of the Covenant being stored uh, in some kind of gold-plated bathtub or something like that, which is even funnier. Yeah. He would not be taking care of those ancient, priceless artifacts. I can tell you that. When you're bored on the toilet at Mar-a-Lago, you just pull out the Ten Commandments. Yeah, there they are. Wow! Hmm. <laughs> I've, I've violated all of these. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> Woo! So, yeah, everyone had jokes about this, obviously, but the clear winner was this tweet from user at Ales Les Boules, who posted a photo of Trump gesticulating at one of his many rallies with the caption, They don't want me to open the Ark of the Covenant, do they, folks? <laughs> But I'm going to do it. We're going to open the ark here, folks. They don't we? want me to do it. We're going to open the ark. We're all going to look at it. Keep they, your eyes open. Don't close your eyes. They say it's going to melt your face, but... Uh, hey, you're looking at the guy who stared directly into the sun. Yeah. And if it did melt his face, I mean, how, how much worse could it really look? He's already melting. Yeah. So, yeah, we can't top that tweet. But we can look into just how exactly a bunch of artifacts from the Holy Land ended up at Mar-a-Lago with the Israeli government desperately trying to retrieve them. We don't have a Haaretz account, but we do have a Wall Street Journal account. So here's how Donald Trump ended up with priceless Israeli antiquities. Their modern-day journey began in 2019 when Saul Fox, a private equity executive, longtime Republican donor and backer of Israel, got a call from Israel Hassan, then head of the Israeli Antiquities Authority, saying he was coming to the U.S. and would like to meet him. Fox had just been invited to a Hanukkah party at the White House and suggested that Trump be presented with antiquities from Jerusalem in honor of his support for Israel. Hassan traveled to Fox's home in California with a black Samsonite carry-on containing a priceless collection of lamps and coins, which were intended to be displayed temporarily at the White House for a few weeks and then returned, Hassan said in an interview. It continues, the items in the Samsonite bag next made it to Washington, but not the White House. Fox, in an interview, said the State Department wanted to inspect them, but didn't return them in time for the Hanukkah celebration. I was a little embarrassed, he said. Several State Department officials said Wednesday they could not recall the encounter. About three months later, Fox hired a courier to travel to Washington to retrieve the items, paying for an extra airplane seat to keep them at his courier's side. At home in California, Fox locked up the bag and sort of forgot about it. <laughs> then COVID hit and the world shut down, delaying any return to Israel. In late 2021, Fox received an invitation to attend a candlelight dinner at Mar-a-Lago, which was during the Hanukkah period. There's a Yiddish word, bashert meaning made to be, said Fox. Perfect. Uh, okay, so these Israelis clearly wanted these priceless antiquities to get to Donald Trump, whether or not he was even still president. And destiny finally allowed that to happen. Though, just the journey of a Samsonite bag back and forth across the country sounds like the plot to Dumb and Dumber. Also, just <laughs> you, I mean, as a layman, I always would assume that priceless antiquities are not just being shipped 
via a, a fucking American Airlines flight in someone's well, that's carry the thing, on. That but, you, uh, nobody suspects it, so you can you, you know you never know if the guy next to you has price priceless antiquities. That's why you rob every single person you I, see. I hope during that journey they stayed they kept a wide berth from any Hobby Lobby locations they may have come across because. Those Hobby Lobby people, they are known. Those Hobby Lobbyists. To, those Hobby Lobbyists are known to snatch artifacts. That's, yeah. What was it? Ta- Tablets of Gilgamesh. That's right. And uh, it is a bit telling that they purchased an extra seat on the flight, meaning it sounds like he was in coach. Whoever was transporting. Yeah, it sound, yeah, the courier. Well, you don't want your courier to get too comfortable or else they start... They you don't want them to go to sleep. Slacking off, <laughs> and uh, no, yeah. you need to be in the most rigid, uncomfortable seat yeah, possible. They probably made him fly Spirit just so he'd never have a moment of relaxation. No, always on edge, constantly. Yep. Uh, so it would be funny. We bought two seats, but on you know on Southwest and Spirit, you kind of just sit wherever you want. So someone sat next to him, and the priceless antiquities had to go to another seat. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so these had to get to Donald Trump. We got to get these antiquities to Donald Trump, a guy who clearly would surely, uh, you know, a very trustworthy fellow and a guy who clearly appreciates, uh, ancient archeology. span Uh, you know, he'd clearly be very impressed with this and not just say, oh, very cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like when he gets like a purple heart. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Hey, didn't even have to work for it. Pretty cool. From the Holy Land, you say. Oh, hey, pretty cool. Anyway, put it in the bathtub. We're running out of room in here. We got a lock in there. It's fine. Uh, So, yeah, back to the article. Off to Florida from California, they went. The Secret Service insisted on taking the box to an x-ray machine. Finally, Fox was inside Mar-a-Lago with the box, and he met Trump in his office. After a few minutes, the former president stood up and said he had to get ready for dinner. I stood in his way and said, Mr. President, no, no, you, you can't leave. I have these words that I wrote, Fox told him. He read his prepared remarks praising Trump's stance on Israel, including the move of the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Trump slammed his hand on the desk, Fox said, and barked, Well, how come I only got 25% of the Jewish vote? (laughs) Wow. I thought quickly and said, Mr. President, I know you've had your problem with rhinos, Republicans in name only. Well, we Jews in America have our own problem with ginos. Jews in name only, like Adam Schiff and Chuck Schumer, Hmm. referring to the California Democratic House member and the Senate Majority Leader from New York. Yes, that's right, Trump said. Very good. Let's go now. At dinner, Fox and his girlfriend sat at a table with Trump and his wife, Melania. It was beautiful, he said. Okay, so a lot happening here. Um... Mr. President, we have uh, the ginos you're talking about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it would seem that the official stance of the U.S. Republican Party, or at least the Trump branch of the party, is that 75% of American Jews are fake Jews. (laughs) Fake Jews! (laughs) Fake Jews, these are fake Jews, because they don't vote entirely based on which party is more supportive of the Israeli government, which is very cool. You love that, don't you? Um, Great. And it's especially rich, uh, because the only reason... Republicans and evangelicals are this supportive of Israel, if you really get down to it, is because they want to fulfill the prophecies of the book of Revelations and trigger the rapture. Mm -hmm. They think all Jews are damned to hell. But in this one area, their interests converge and both sides are, I guess, happy to participate. Personally, I would find it a bit degrading, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. But how exactly did Trump end up holding these artifacts hostage down at his Florida estate? Well, it would seem that Mr. Fox was suddenly forced to choose between his loyalty to Israel and his loyalty to Donald Trump. And he chose Trump. Mm-hmm. And we're not, sure what, we're not really sure whether that makes him a Jew in name only under his own definition. That's between him and Yahweh. But here's the article again. I'm so tired of the, all the fake Jews. Fake Jews. Fox said he was sitting in the Mar-a-Lago lobby when he got an email from Escocito. He said there's been some kind of miscommunication. You have to bring these back immediately to Israel. Fox asked his girlfriend, who works in tech, whether anyone would know if he read the email. (laughs) Yes, she said, (laughs) but he decided to go forward. This permanent exhibition of Israel's national treasures outside of the state of Israel in your honor is without precedent, he told Trump. Permanent. 
Fox in the interview said the agreement never came with a return date for the items. They weren't Trump's, but he effectively would act as their custodian, Fox said. <laughs> a couple months later, he said he got a call from a man in the U.S. who reiterated that Israel wanted the items back. Fox said it was offensive to do so. <laughs> this was something that was promised and done, and I acted on it in good faith, Fox said. It's not only offensive. My hands are tied. It's kind of anti-Semitic for you to ask me to get the artifacts back from Donald Trump. It sounds like you're kind of one of those Jews in name only. Yeah. Unlike me, a real Jew who steals, <laughs> steals from the Israeli government to give stuff to Donald Trump after being told not to do that. Just, just for these artifacts to assuredly be cast aside somewhere... I mean, also, it's it's the Israeli government's fault for trusting this yeah. Fox dude at all in this. He seems clearly like a fucking scumbag, mm-hmm. not a trustworthy guy. So that's it's kind of on them. Uh, so far, Trump is the least. Uh, he, he has the least fault in this whole thing. Yeah, he, he simply just, accepted a gift that was offered to him. <laughs> yeah, he, and his like just general stance and aura is what Fox was. Well, I, you know what? Who would be great keeping these? Take them off my hands. You, sir, Mr. Trump. Well, okay, sure. I mean, well, what he, a wonderful gift. He is known to uh, keep things. Yeah. Like at the very least, he would not. He would. He would keep them safe. He would not get rid of them. He is a hoarder. He is right. the world's most famous hoarder. Mm-hmm. And whether those artifacts ended up uh, in a fucking broom closet somewhere, um, they'd be safe. Look, ju- just like on a regular, you know, regional airline. The most unassuming place is probably the safest. Yeah. Yeah. And they said there was lamps. I wonder if there's any genies in those lamps. Could be. Or gins, as they're known over there. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe. Uh, Trump definitely not getting his wishes, if not that were getting, true. Yeah, he did not get three wishes. He got three, he got three indictments. indictments. <laughs> I wished everything right and they indicted me. <laughs> I made three wishes and they indicted me three times. <laughs> What the hell kind of genie is this? The genie told me I couldn't wish for more wishes. These are genies in name only. (laughs) (laughs) Those are ginos. I guess it's pronounced the same. Ginos. Ginos. These are ginos. Ginos. Not the type, not the the crazy type. Not the lady doctors. That looks at the vaginas. Ginos. Yeah. So yeah, basically this Saul Fox fellow, uh, in an effort to demonstrate the close bonds between the Israeli government and Donald Trump, gave Trump a bunch of Israeli artifacts despite being explicitly told not to do that by the Israeli government and did so seemingly without even telling Trump that Israel would ever be wanting those artifacts back at any point. Bibi very upset. Uh, He described it as a permanent, like we are making a permanent uh, display of these artifacts here at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, very cool. Uh, My assistant will figure out the rest. (laughs) Can we get uh, some Diet Cokes for me and uh, Fox here? Anyway, look at this. This is what we will uh, will do if we ever invade North Korea. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, eventually we have to assume the Israelis stopped relying on this Fox fellow as a middleman and reached out to Mar-a-Lago directly about returning those artifacts, which they, of course, did not do. But it appears that once all this news started making the rounds this week, Trump's people finally picked up the phone and made the proper arrangements because... They've got a lot going on, and they don't need this on top of all that. But yeah, we assume that before this turned into an international incident, Trump was probably showing off these artifacts to all sorts of random people, like car dealers, That's what they're there for. Yeah. These are old as shit. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. they the Holy Land. They gave me this because I moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. There's a genie in one of these lamps. But don't trust him. No, it's it's a bad genie. He's a bad genie. Doesn't work the way they do in the Disney movie. Yeah. But then Disney's gone woke, by the way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not enough song and dance. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, and, and if that were the case, if he were showing these off to everyone, that's actually fine. They're not classified documents. They're just really old shit that he wasn't supposed to have, but he didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even sound like Trump is the one primarily at fault here, which is kind of refreshing. He just happens to surround himself with so many other shitty people He's, that, a, he's uh, a victim of circumstance. Yeah. In this case, he did do everything right. He did everything right and still got no wishes. I know. It's yeah. bullshit. I got everything right and I still caused an in- international incident. So I hope Israel learned a lesson here about loaning out uh, priceless antiquities and just getting some random fucking MAGA dude in the U.S. to handle the whole thing. Yeah. Hold on to your antiquities. Do not consult the Hobby Lobby. No, do not. <laughs> Those Hobby Lobbyists, they, once they get their hands they're on very, things... They're very grabby. Yeah. 
But in other news about U.S. politicians being complete weirdos, though, the Internet has made it clear in recent years that literally every day of the year is the national or international day of something. And this past Wednesday was National Hot Dog Day, which falls every year on the third Wednesday of July. We're not sure why it isn't on a specific day. You'd have to ask the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council about, about that. Seems like it would line up pretty great with the 4th of July. I guess it would be overshadowing the you know Independence Day. They but. can't have it on the 4th of July because there's a hot dog shortage that day because they're all being eaten on by Joey Chestnut. Island by Joey Chestnut. Mm -hmm. But whatever the day may be, real human senator <laughs> Mitt Romney decided to use National Hot Dog Day as an opportunity to focus on what unites Americans, our love of shitty food. And not what divides us, which is literally everything else. Yeah, it's the one thing we can all agree on is that we, we like eating our slop. We like getting diabetes. We like dying premature deaths mm -hmm. from our high-sodium, high-sugar, low-nutrition low diets. Don't we, folks? And you can pry my hot dog from my cold, dead hands. Here's the clip. Well, as you all know, today is National Hot Dog Day. And uh, perhaps you also know that hot dog is my favorite meat. I love hot dogs. Uh, I love them in buns. I love them outside of buns. I love them with baked beans. I just like hot dogs. It's the best, you know, best meat there is, without question. So to all of you who, like me, are celebrating uh, National hot, hot Dog Day, uh, congratulations to you, and may there be many, many more hot dogs served in our wonderful land. Huh. So that's pretty weird, right? Especially the part where he says, hot dog is my favorite meat. And that's actually, uh, it's a callback for all the real Romney rider dies in the audience. The real, the real mitheads. It's a little Marvel style. Hey, you e mithead. <laughs> it's a little Marvel style Easter egg, a little bit of fan service there. So back in 2018, when he was first running for the Senate, one of Mitt's strategies for coming off as relatable to the average Utah voter, despite being worth hundreds of millions of dollars, was talking about how much he loves eating hot dogs. Saying at one campaign event, my favorite meat is hot dog, by the way. That is my favorite meat. My second favorite meat is hamburger. And everyone says, oh, don't you prefer steak? It's like, I know steaks are great, but I like hot dog best. And I like hamburger next best. Uh, quirky, but harmless, I guess. I mean, you gotta, uh, listen, this is Mitt Romney. He's a senator from Utah. If this you, is how Mormons talk. Yeah, if you put, like, a, a sprinkle of, like, just fucking paprika or, like, cumin on anything he Ooh. ate, he would choke to death. He would uh. die. What is this, brown mustard? Oh, get he, it away. He probably dips his hot dogs in milk. Yeah. I saw what Joey Chestnut was doing with that water, but you know what? Yeah. Decided to fortify my hot dog with a little bit of Mitt Romney, whole milk. Mitt Romney is an official member of the Glizzy Gang. He is in the Glizzy Gang. <laughs> yeah. He's a Glizzy Gobbler. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so this, of course, ended up in the news cycle that week for being a bit odd, uh, but it didn't have a lot of staying power considering we were over a year into Trump's term as president, and a lot of odd shit was going on in politics. We don't have time yeah. for your hot dog um, obsession. Mitt, Mitt Romney Mitt. says hot dogs is favorite meat. Okay, fucking weird, but like... Yeah. Have you seen what's going on out here? Nevertheless, Romney has continued to refer back to the quote repeatedly over the years. And this wasn't even the first time he posted a weird little video for National Hot Dog Day. Here's one from 2019. So this is National Hot Dog Day. And as you know, uh, hot dog is my favorite meat. And I have a good one here, sliced in half with some pickles, onions, and ketchup, which is the way I prefer it. So uh, enjoy a hot dog. So the man clearly likes to get his gliz on. Though it is a bit odd that in neither video do we actually see him take a bite. Because that, look, I'm sure he had a, an, a, another hot dog before or after, but that is a prop hot dog. Yeah. And you want it to look perfect. I mean, the one in 2019 had a bite taken out of it, but it's like... He just on. couldn't help himself Come that on, time. Yeah, that time, you know, he sees a hot dog, he's, he, he's going to glizz that gloss. Anyways, National Hot Dog Day may be over, but the folks at the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council made sure not to not just designate a National Hot Dog Day, but to also designate the entire month of July as National Hot Dog Month. So celebrate responsibly. Also, what a great thing about this Mitt Romney Hot Dog uh, National Hot Dog Day thing is that it's so weird and uh, just something feels so weird and off about it naturally that all the QAnon weirdos are like, well, clearly he's using code words. Hot dog is like little boy's penises or something. They're going to make something out of everything. Yeah, but he's, uh, he's really handing it to him on a silver platter with this one. I don't know if I said it on the show or not. I know I talked about going to it, but I, I can confirm because I was pretty much front row for the uh, hot dog eating contest. I only got to see the women's one. 
because they canceled it, the they postponed it or whatever, there is an actual smell involved. Yeah, I mean, it smells like like it smells like you think it would. Like if you put a bunch of hot dogs in a bunch of blenders, and the 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 waft of that scent. Yeah, I'm good. I loved it. I had a great time. I need to go back because I need to see Joey Chestnut. How many? I mean, gl- how many I, mean I saw him, but I didn't see him. Uh, you know, well, I like one or two over the whole weekend. What? I had a hot dog. So you're more of a fan of the sport, not you know. Yeah, no, I, 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 I want to just watch and enjoy. I don't want to gorge myself. You're I did a, have a you're new. You're a back. Uh, you're a <laughs> backseat driver. You're I did lounge chair quarterback. I, I did enjoy a Nathan's hot dog at the Mets game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but I will say this is going to start a cross country rivalry. The Dodger dog is far better. I mean, they're all hot dogs, but yes, the Dodger dog is probably the best one. They're not. They're not even close to being identical as far as size and taste. Right. But uh, the the Dodger dog, if I'm looking at it completely impartially, I think was better. And they're not even bad for you. Vince Scully lived to be like a hundred years old, so. And he ate one every day. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to assume he did in one bite because he was always oh, there. <laughs> Vince Scully. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for my daily Dodger dog. Go 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 go. I am the Gliz King. <laughs> oh, no. Clayton Kershaw has glizzed me up once again. He has gotten me a hot dog. Rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in power. Because here in L.A., you might not know this, but, like, hot dogs, it's like... Remember when people did that shit with, like, Smirnoff Ice, where, like, oh, you pull out a Smirnoff Ice, they have to drink it? If you pull out a hot dog in Los Angeles, yeah, they got to they gotta deep throat that hot dog. That's the one thing, like, that... We do it to each other all the time here. Uh, you got a hot dog in your pocket. Ah, you got me. New York hot dogs, L.A. hot dogs, you can. You can accept that challenge constantly. You go to Chicago, Ooh. a hot dog is like a whole meal. Yeah. It's like a five-course meal. Yeah, the the hot dog is really just like a plate for yeah, a bunch the rest of, of the food. Uh, bunch of other shit. They're really good, but, yeah, it's a it's a different beast. Much like Chicago pizza. They they got something else going on. They have a sick obsession with having to eat all of their handheld foods with knife and fork. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whoa, we discovered that if you just make everything thick as hell, mm-hmm. you can have a whole meal with this they food. They got those long winters. They That's got, right. They yeah, they have, to, they have to bulk up. They got to bulk up. They're like bears. And that's why they're called the Chicago Bears. Because <laughs> yeah. they're oh. gay. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they dye the river rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving on now to something that hasn't happened in a very long time, and for good reason. You know, life can be difficult. People sometimes find themselves feeling like it might be better to just ditch their old life and start things afresh somewhere far away. That's normal. Mm-hmm. Pretty normal. What's less normal is feeling that way and deciding that what you're going to do is cross the DMZ and defect to the Democratic People's Republic of North Korea. Dun, 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 DMZ. It can be a bit difficult to get a clear picture of what life in North Korea is really like, but the general consensus is that it kind of sucks, uh, to put it mildly. Excuse me, didn't we see that YouTuber go a couple of years back and he said they had a water park and there was cannabis everywhere and he had a great time and everyone had access to the internet yeah. and they were all super happy and the supermarkets were real? And not just facades where people were acting like they were buying food. So who's to say? (laughs) But yeah, even if you ignore all the stuff about the Kim family and the whole human rights situation, North Korea is still just poor as shit. The average North Korean is not exactly living high on the hog. They do have a pretty sick water park, though. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But you also got to remember that once you cross over into North Korea, you're kind of stuck there. So I hope you enjoy water parks. You can't just walk right back the other direction if you change your mind. And the water parks are only open and active when there's a, you know, an interna- international visitor. Yeah, I don't think there's enough uh, domestic demand for these water parks to keep them running uh, on a fixed schedule. I'm sure people would love to use them constantly, but uh, the problem is we, we don't want anyone having fun unless there's a diplomat here. Right. Yeah. Save the fun for... Share that fun with someone else. Yeah. You're hoarding all the fun. But here's the AP with the story. An American soldier who had served nearly two months in a South Korean prison fled across the heavily armed border in North Korea, U.S. officials said Tuesday, becoming the first American detained in the North in nearly five years. Private second class Travis King had been held on assault charges and was released on July 10th after serving his time. He was being sent home to Fort Bliss, Texas on Monday, where he could have faced additional military disciplinary actions and discharge from the service. According to officials, King, 23, was taken to the airport and escorted as far as customs. But instead of getting on the plane, he left the airport and later joined a tour of the Korean border village of Panmunjom. 
He bolted across the border, which is lined with guards and often crowded with tourists, on Tuesday afternoon local time in Korea. It's a bold move. I have an idea. Uh, it also, it's a, it's a, you know, it doesn't make Fort Bliss, Texas look very accommodating. No, uh, this is not, the, it's the complete opposite of an advertisement for Fort Bliss. Yes. People would rather go to fucking North Korea than go to Fort Bliss. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here's the website NK News with some further description of what happened and how this went down. In a Facebook post, Michaela Johansson of Sweden wrote that she was on the same tour and that one of the male guests dashed across the MDL when her group visited the joint security area. Quote, to our right, we hear a loud ha ha ha. And one guy from our group that has been with us all day runs in between two of the buildings and over to the other side. She wrote, it took everybody a second to react and grasp what had actually happened. And then we were ordered into and through Freedom House and running back to our military bus. Hmm. Sounds like he did it willingly. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's a prank. It's brilliant because then he has the plausible diability of it being a prank or a goof or a joke. Do they have pranks in North Korea? Well, if they don't, they just learned about one. I don't trust Kim Jong-un with this concept one bit. Oh my God, could you imagine if he came, became the ultimate prankster? Yeah, it's weird. Oh, I blew up the West Coast! All of his... Uh, Just a prank. All of his pranks result in people dying. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so it would seem to line up with the U.S. Army's official explanation of what happened here, which was that this soldier was not thinking clearly. Oh. The Army has also been criticized for not doing more to ensure that King got on his plane and went home. But to be fair, the idea that this guy was going to go defect to the DPRK probably wasn't at the top of their mind because this kind of thing very rarely happens. The last time it happened was all the way back in 1982 when Private Joseph T. White shot the lock off a border gate and carefully crossed a minefield shouting, I'm coming in, in Korean. And aside from King and White, there's only been five other U.S. soldiers that defected to Korea. I do love that... It's a very exclusive club. Both of these defectors made loud statements as they crossed the border to let everyone know. I mean, it's the last time anyone outside of North Korea is going to, like, hear your voice uh, not over a radio signal or a digital signal. Yeah, sure. You got to let them know. This feels like... I, I don't know if I'd ever be able to go on one of these tours because... To me, it feels like, and maybe this is what happened. I went to the Hoover Dam once, and I couldn't get anywhere near the edge. Because it's that it, call it is, of the void. Yeah, this is basically standing on the edge of a cliff. Yeah, so there's no maybe, going back. Maybe, you, like, you, you have that call of the void feeling, and yeah. he just submitted I'm touch to the it. Stove. He submitted to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, he was in prison. He, he was looking at maybe more prison. Uh, so he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Wouldn't it be crazy if I crossed the DMZ? That was a nervous laugh he did. so yeah the very first mad lad to do it was private larry allen albshire who similar to king was facing disciplinary actions in his case for getting caught smoking weed a bunch of times which back then that's basically uh, black tar heroin Mm -hmm. so he crossed over in 1962 and in the following few years he was joined by three others who crossed over uh, one of whom Sergeant Charles Jenkins did so after drinking 10 beers, later describing it as the biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> Hangover four. Come on, write it. Yeah. Oh, geez. What happened? Yeah, they all ended up living together under one roof, uh, under house arrest. Party house. Mm, doesn't sound like it was. Party sounds, house. Sounds like it was not very fun. They got all that cannabis there in uh, North Korea. Mm, I don't know if they were. I mean, maybe. But uh, yeah, doesn't sound like it was a fun situation. But uh, they did get a lot of fun work in North Korean cinema. Anytime a movie needed evil Americans, hey! which was pretty often, these four guys got cast in them. And they these, were these fucking scabs. They were so yeah, they were movie stars. Yeah. Well, did they, did everything turn out okay for them? Uh, no. Hmm. Pretty much all of them died in North Korea. One guy eventually. Uh, I think all of them to get married. Some of them even had kids. But one guy eventually, uh, and also all they were all married to like people who were like literally kidnapped by North Korea. It's very weird. But one of them was married to a woman in Japan, and like some there was some deal worked out in like the '90s where they got to leave and go to Japan. And the fucking the fucking U.S. military made him go to jail for like a month because technically 
those crimes that he did back uh, So wait, like, dude, so he went to jail ago. for like a month and then went back to North Korea? No, he oh. spent, lived the rest of his life in Japan. Oh, well, that's a good trade. But like the fact, like, dude, this guy's been in North Korea for like 40 years and you're, you're you know, the rules are rules. <laughs> Insane. Well, that'll teach everyone to yeah. reacclimate. He was like an old fuck. He was like 70 years old this time, too. I mean, at that you gotta point, make sure he really learns his lesson not to defect to North Korea. You're just kind of sitting around anyway, so might as well do it in a jail cell. I guess it's Japanese. You know, all, all old people should be locked up. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them kind of are. Yeah, retirement homes are pretty much jail. Uh, not obviously not as extreme, but uh, yeah, you you kind of get up, get your food, yeah. sit around, go to your room. Uh, anyways, as for what's next for the most recent guy, Travis King, here's NPR. North Korean officials are likely interrogating and screening King to determine what to do with him, says historian Eric Scott, the author of a book about Cold War defectors. They have in the past both imprisoned defectors, but also used them for propaganda. Having them star in films, using them either as themselves in these films or as American soldiers to portray the U.S. side in an unflattering light, Scott told Morning Edition on Wednesday. And for now, the U.S. is trying to figure out a way to negotiate King's return, but North Korea is usually pretty adamant about the finders-keepers rule when it comes to these things. <laughs> no take-backsies. Depending on whether King even wants to come back, though, uh, this situation presents an incredible, incredible opportunity for perhaps the only man on Earth who can convince Kim Jong-un to make a deal. And that man's name? Donald Trump. Well, he's going through a lot right now, but if he can call up his good, good friend, Mr. Kim, and single-handedly resolve this international incident, not only would that be two international incidents that he's solved in as many right. days, That's right. but it will also help his 2024 chances. So stay tuned. Yeah, how many people has Joe Biden uh, rescued from North Korea? Zero, I think. The, uh, Donald Trump? The only thing worse than going to a military prison in Texas would be suffering the, the anger of SAG union members for starring in a film while they're on strike, even if it's in North Korea. No, they're actually pretty understanding. Nope. Kim Jong-un said you had to star in this film? The that is scab behavior. The UK is still making movies and TV. Nope. Scab. They're under a different union. It's okay. Scab. I mean, I think scabbing is the least of their worries. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, Trump could negotiate this guy's return, but depending on what his legal situation is by that time, maybe... Maybe he decides to stay a little longer for himself. Yeah. Much for the same reason these guys, a lot of them crossed over is because they're looking at like jail time back home. You yeah. Know? And I bet they'd treat him pretty good, Donald Trump. Yeah, but he, I feel like there would be a big power imbalance like immediately and Trump would try to like... Yeah, no, he'd, he'd find a way to get himself killed pretty quickly. Trump becoming the leader of North Korea would be the funniest outcome. Yeah, I think that'd be good for everyone involved. <laughs> Probably not. Anyways, before we move on to the headlines half of the show, it is time to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Factor. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Factor's so good. <laughs> That's right. Now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. Too busy with summer plans to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up that warm weather with plenty of sunscreen and lots of water. Looking for calorie-conscious options this summer? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals this summer? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Elevate eating at home with their new upscale surf and turf and surf and surf meal options like roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spice shrimp and salmon. Choose from 34 plus chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter and asparagus. Plus you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons including breakfast items like the delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. You know what I had last night? Slappy Joe. Slappy, slappy Joe, yeah. 
And I sang that too when I was waiting for it at the microwave. You got it. Mm -hmm. This July, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash weeklyweird50 and use code weeklyweird50 to get 50% off. That is code weeklyweird50 at factormeals.com slash weeklyweird50 to get 50% off. Links down in the description. And this episode is sponsored by AG1 by Athletic Greens, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. We both drink AG1 by Athletic Greens constantly, but mostly just first thing every morning because it's not only the easiest way to make sure you're getting all your daily vitamins, it's just it's great for keeping that gut nice and healthy and regular and feeling good. Mm -hmm. It's just one scoop of powder and water and it tastes great and it makes you feel very nice. AG1 has all your key health products like multivitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more working together as one. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. AG1 is daily nutrition made really simple. With just one scoop, I get the nutrients and gut health support that helps my whole body thrive and covers my nutritional bases. AG1 has quickly become just as important as that first cup of coffee for me. So if you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com weird. That's drinkag1.com weird. Check it out. All right. Time to get back into the news with the weirdest, craziest, wildest headlines from around the world this week, uh, starting, well, right here in the United States. New Florida standards teach students that some black people benefited from slavery because it taught useful skills. We're so fucking doomed. Number of days without Florida being a national fucking embarrassment. Zero. This is, uh, you know, I would almost... Almost rather, I'm not sure if I would prefer they simply don't teach anything about America's dark history of slavery as opposed to uh, this fucking thing where it's like, well, you know. Literal whitewashing. Some people say it was good. Some people say it was bad. You decide, you know, these people learned a lot of valuable skills. So, and they, you know, they were taught Christianity. They were, they were all doomed to the fires of hell before the kindly Europeans came along and showed them the way. Um, we're so screwed. We're yeah. so screwed. And this this one, uh, it's it's in the news because like the Florida Teachers Union or something, they're like overwhelmingly opposed to this. Yeah, like, of what course. The fuck. Like I'm not teaching this, this shit. This is morally reprehensible. Yeah. So uh, and inaccurate. Yeah. No, it's fucking stupid. Like how intentionally misleading. How hard is it to just say slavery was bad? Yeah. Why is that hard for you to admit? Why do you have to throw caveats at the end of it? It was fucking bad. It was really, really bad. It's so strange. Actually, it's not. It's very simple. They're all racist. Yeah, they're all fucking racist. Uh, we see more and more examples every day. But uh, it's just, it's fucking wild. It's Florida. I cannot believe some of the things that we talk about and report on in these modern times. Because, unfortunately, we as a nation have not learned anything from our past mistakes. No, none. We've made new mistakes. Even better mistakes. Yeah. And by better, I mean much worse. Best mistakes in the world. Yeah. Over just a few months, ChatGPT went from correctly answering a simple math problem 98% of the time to just 2% study finds. Good. Good. The AI is eating itself, and it's becoming stupider and stupider. This is this is happening a lot faster than I expected. Though. We talked about this recently. It's called, like, model collapse. Yeah. Um, and the big threat they were saying was that, like, once the, once the pool of data becomes tainted by AI-produced works, it'll trigger uh, eventually just it being worthless. But, like, I don't think ChatGPT has even been updated with new data. So, like, this is just... This is just the system collapsing with no input from anyone. This is this is artificial intelligence incest. This is what happens. It's yeah. learning it's it's fucking itself the AI, and creating much worse things as a result. Yeah, the AI just gets like Alzheimer's disease. So, I mean, we may have already lived in the time when ChatGPT was at its peak. Yeah. It's all downhill from like early January of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is great news. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I love it. 
I can't wait to n- no longer hear about this. You know, I was worried. Like, I was like, oh, it is very similar to NFTs in a lot of ways, but like, this seems a lot more useful. I don't, I don't know if it's gonna have the same like boom and bust cycle. But now, not so sure. Also, did you see? <laughs> speaking of AI. Did you see that the the World of Warcraft subreddit like Oh my uh, god, that was amazing. <laughs> they started like intentionally writing posts com- full of just like bullshit information and uh, just to see what would happen if if the AI uh, like gaming news websites would scrape it and it's just like sure enough like within hours it's like World of Warcraft fans are so happy about Glorbo joining. <laughs> just incredible. Glorbo's coming to World of Warcraft. All the updates too in the subreddit post. Yeah, just fantastic. Great work, everyone. Mm-hmm. Bang up job. And now that article about Glorbo is going to get referenced by yep. uh, other AIs. And yeah, the whole... Data, Everybody loves Glorbo. The data pool is uh, just irreversibly tainted. We love to see it. Do your own homework. <laughs> Writers requesting David Zaslav pay up on lost wages via Venmo. And he is apparently going through and like canceling them yeah. by hand. So he, like a lot of other dumb Rejecting. people, uh, has his Venmo public... What is he even and, using Venmo? Uh, what if you're a multi, yeah, what like a hundred millionaire or a billionaire? Oh, by the way, you owe me uh, fifty bucks. Yeah, what is this for? <laughs> In what way? Well, that's how they stay rich by being extremely petty. I, I was, I would love to see his transaction history. But yeah, so that started going around on Twitter, and people, uh, people on strike started sending him Venmo requests, and yeah, he started personally rejecting them because I guess he didn't like the clutter in his inbox. I'm rejecting this, and also, by the way, I'm not mad. And I'm certainly not upset that this is wasting a big portion of my time when I'm at Billionaire Boys Summer Camp. Yeah. I love Billionaire Boys Summer Camp. Don't we all? Um, It it is just, aside from this story being a good way to show some, like, activism, a very simple way, it is, I am fascinated with uh, someone having that much wealth and being on Venmo, of all things. Yeah. Or PayPal or anything. I can't imagine. It's strange. Hey, uh, we're splitting this today. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, Mr. Zaslav. I guess we'll fucking split the dinner. Dude, you, you Zaslav has requested $25. <laughs> yeah, like, what? You had all the martinis, dickhead. <laughs> I didn't order the tomahawk steak. I had a very sensible salad. Oh, we're splitting this now? David Zaslav, he never even factors in tax and tip. He doesn't. No. He, he does the math. And he, he doesn't add any. Let's see. Stuff. My steak was uh, $35, so uh, here's $35. No, David. you got to look at the bottom of the receipt. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. British Columbia couple launching hunger strike to protest pickleball noise. It is not a pleasant sound. Like racquetball, that's equally loud, but that's a cool sound. Tennis, very pleasant. But uh, something about pickleball, it's the plastic on plastic. It's that, it's the fact that you can squeeze more quarts uh, into an area. Yeah, like, so there's just tons, and it's- it Sounds is, like cicadas. It's obviously the most popular sport, uh, fastest growing sport in America. So uh, lots of people playing it. And uh, yeah, it can be extremely annoying sounding, especially because it, at least previously, leaned heavily into the retired community. Yeah, and they're all pissed that all these young people are playing. Their, it's their sport. It's It was designed for them because their bodies can't do real sports anymore. So they... Go play tennis. ...are waking up earlier and earlier yeah. to get those clean courts with no uh, stupid millennials and Generation Z around. Millennials have killed pickleball. And then, you know, all the neighbors, now they're waking up at 5 a.m. because all the pickleball sounds. Yeah. So uh, good luck on this hunger strike. You're going to be he very said, hungry. I don't think anyone's going to give up on pickleball. He pickle said ball. he would literally rather be dead than have to listen to this pickleball noise anymore. Sell the house to a pickleballer. Done yeah. and done. That might be the best the best option. Yeah. Uh, look, it's fun, but uh, very annoying sounding. Gay Water, a new canned cocktail, wants to be the anti-Bud Light. What? Yeah, it's a new drink targeted specifically at the gays. I think this is brilliant. Clearly, this Bud Light controversy has shown that um, there is a market for an unapologetically gay drink. And uh, they're they're capitalizing on this. But gay how is water. it anti-Bud Light if Bud Light is the gay beer? Uh, Bud Light is not... Well, 
Republicans see Bud Light as the gay beer, but Bud Light also, uh, it's actually really shitty. Bud Light apparently was in, was not in contact with Dylan Mulvaney, like, at all. During no the, support. Yeah, yeah, no support at all. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, the headline is a little, you, you're right, it is a little off. But yeah, gay water is, is, like, listen, just so no one's confused about this, this drink is gay. It's gay. So you can't be disappointed that gays like it. This might work uh, as like a bit of reverse psychology where a bunch of conservatives start drinking it because they can't, because they're not allowed to. Damn lips said I couldn't drink gay water. Well, what check this out. <laughs> I put gay water in my Starbucks. I don't yeah. give a shit. And they're all, uh, I guess I guess vodka, soda, and lime is very popular at gay bars. So it's, that's basically what this is. Yeah. Well, you're going to see immediately some redneck shooting bottles of gay water. I ordered a whole fucking pallet of gay water. Yeah, you don't understand. So I'm buying this that. gay water ironically. I'm buying this gay water so I can destroy it. I don't want anyone in this BevMo thinking that I'm gay. <laughs> Just buying the gay water to, to make a point. This that will, that will happen. Yeah. Mark my words. I was lonely. Japan police arrest woman for allegedly making over 2,700 false emergency calls. Yeah, it sounds like she was lonely. Uh, well, she's got a lot of new friends in the Japanese jail. I mean, yeah. That's what she's always wanted. She would, like, call and actually get them to send, like, EMS. And then they'd show up, and she'd be like, oh, I didn't call. That must be some... Oh. That's weird. But now that you're here, like, what's up? What's, My friends are here. What's what's going on, guys? She's at a dinner party all ready to go. Some board games. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, stay a while. Oh, you guys aren't going to stay for the board games? We're playing Ticket to Ride. I mean, it is, Japan is like the loneliest society on earth. It is a, it's a pretty big problem, but uh, it's not the way. Making, making fake emergency calls, thousands of them, not the way. No, you just hire one of those uh, uh, Do they, they don't, they the proxy need, people. They need pickleball in Japan. Mm-hmm. Well, that will solve so many things. People will no longer be lonely. They'll, they won't want to kill themselves. They'll actually interact with members of the opposite sex and maybe uh, want to marry them and produce children. Pickleball may be the answer. It just needs a cool Japanese name. Yeah. Because I, I feel like you pickleball, you translate that, it might even be offensive. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Give it a cool name. Well, not a lot of space. You'd have to put it on top of one of those skyscrapers. Yeah. Don't lose the ball, though. No. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reportedly ate hallucinogenic mushrooms at restaurant during China visit. Hmm. You know, I, 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 we've always said we want our government officials to all be forced to take uh, hallucinogenics to yeah, be better at their it, job. Yeah. Uh, so she did eat mushrooms that do have hallucinogenic properties, but she ate them at a restaurant and they were cooked. Oh. So that, that removes They the... cooked it out? Yeah, but it's I like guess... It's like getting, uh, uh, getting uh, uh, absinthe at any like, American place. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a mushroom I'd never heard of. It's a Chinese mushroom. It's not psilocybin. It's something else. It hasn't been studied. They don't know why it does this. But like, yeah, if you eat it raw, it's going to fuck you up. Be high for like three days. Mm. But I guess if you cook it, it's just a... It's, it's just all a, good. It's just a tasty, savory, umami-rich mushroom. Mm. Delicious. They should have slipped Janet Yellen uh, one of the good ones, though. <laughs> Janet Yellen, she would have been Janet screaming. <laughs> or Janet partying. Janet partying, yeah. Yeah. Texas worker accused of being on drugs was actually dying of heat stroke. Uh, and yeah, it was a construction worker in Texas, the state where... We just uh, went over this, They where they banned uh, brakes and so, access to water. Yeah, they uh, they got rid of mandatory water breaks. So this guy actually died, it was last summer, when water breaks were still in effect, which when we talked about it last time, we were like, the existing rules that they got rid of said... You get a water break every four hours, which I was like, that still doesn't seem like enough. That's two times. That's like one time in the middle of an eight hour shift. Uh, so, yeah, this guy was like clearly experiencing heat stroke and the fucking boss just uh, very racistly just immediately assumed like, oh, he's on drugs. Someone's like, call an ambulance. He's like, no, call the cops. He's high. And then he fucking died and they took his temperature in the ambulance or whatever. It was like 110 degrees. It's like, so, yeah. Um, I guess this guy's mom is, like, suing the Good. state of Texas or some shit. And, uh, yeah, this will continue happening. I have been doing a lot of uh, yard work past month. 
I've been drinking water like a fucking fish, and I'm never satiated. It's hot as shit. I can't imagine working, doing road work, construction work, all day long and getting like one water break in the middle of the day to just like sit down and fucking cool off. It's inhumane. <sighs> yeah. It's fucked up. One in a billion event! French woman hit by meteorite while having coffee. This is why uh, these outside cafe seating, no good. Everyone's going to get hit by, my, by meteorites. Well, they usually have those cool little, like... Uh, Awnings? Yeah. Yeah. You have your cup of coffee, your cigarette, your bowl of olive oil. Yes. Some heavy cream. Uh, I think she, she was at home. But yeah, she got hit by a fucking meteorite, which is like, what are the fucking chances Oh, yeah, that? she was out on her, like, porch or patio yeah. or something. Hit by a meteorite. And it's like, that's very rare. What was it, like this big? Yeah, it was, it was a rock. She didn't get hit on the head, thank God. She yeah. got hit in the chest. But, um... Yeah, it's like you're just sitting one minute, you're sitting there at home. The next minute, you are one of the lucky few to have ever been hit by a meteorite. Except, here's the next headline. Meteorite that struck Frenchwoman was just a regular earth rock, experts say. Where did it come from? Uh, I don't know. They don't know that. Some kids? Yeah, it just, they don't know. They don't answer that. But yeah, they looked at it and they're like, no, that's not a fucking meteorite. It's not what meteorites look like. Meteorites are like smooth with like little bumps on it. And this just looked like, it looks like a piece of asphalt. <laughs> like there's absolutely no fucking way that thing entered the atmosphere. It wouldn't look like that. So everyone, everyone who's been talking about this lady that got hit by a meteorite, she didn't. Sorry, lady. I know we all told you you were special. You were one in a billion, but you ain't. Also, there's no prize for this. You're so. just a lady that got hit by a rock. Yeah. Now, if you sell the winning lottery ticket like that guy in downtown Los Angeles, you do get a prize. He got a million dollars. What? He sold the billion-dollar ticket in downtown LA. I didn't know that. And the shop owner got a million dollars for doing so. Good for him. Yeah. It's going to be one hell of a shop coming up soon. Yeah. Gold toilets. Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Fidget spinners going all crazy in the windows. <laughs> they're coming back. <laughs> they're, they're, they're gonna, there's, a, there's a great part uh, in Ben McKenzie's new book. The crypto, the crypto fraud book, where uh, he's interviewing Sam Bankman-Fried, which takes up like it, it's a very beefy chapter. Yeah, it's a very long interview with an interesting person, and uh, you know a lot of soft touch interviews with these guys up until Ben McKenzie shows up, and uh, he said that uh, they were like they almost stopped the interview because the sound guys were like we're getting some weird audio. And uh, Sam Bankman-Fried had pulled out a fidget spinner out of his pocket and was just flicking it while doing the interview and twitching. Hmm. It's It gets weirder than that with the Sam Bankman. He keeps... Sam Bankman-Fried during uh, interviews and on Twitter DMs with Ben McKenzie keeps saying, by the way, this is off the record. And then Ben chimes in and goes, uh, just for the reader or listener, I'm listening to the audiobook. Uh, it, two people have to consent yeah. to it being off the record. This is a common <laughs> common misconception about how that works. But yeah, fascinating book. Easy Money by Ben McKenzie. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, fidget spinners are coming back. And this time, <sighs> not for everyone, just for people who actually have uh, severe yeah, anxiety you got to prove your autism disorder. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that, that's it for this week's episode of Weekly Weird News. In case you missed it, uh, we have uh, an episode of News Dump. Uh, first, like the video. Make sure you're liking the video. you got to do I it. Like it. It's a little, you it's did the like law. it. It's Let law. YouTube know that you liked it. Anyways, our previous episode involves uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene showing nudes on the uh, house floor. Look at this dick. And uh, just a bunch of other stories, including uh, Jason Aldean making a little racist song. And uh, we also have an update on the Hollywood strikes over there in Tech Newsday. Check both of those videos out, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.